Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Adrian Clark of the Premier League.com. Questions at Manchester City. Is Pep the new Tinkerman? Is something troubling Sergio Aguero? Is Claudio Bravo better than Joe Hart? And as for Nicolas Otamendi, really? Answers over you, John? I think they are. I, I, I do wonder about the way they're setting up at the moment, defensively, the full-backs, massive concern. I mean, I, I do think that kind of breeds a nervousness, if, if you like, really. Mm. Um, they're, they're looking frail and vulnerable at the back and I think that makes then the goalkeeper worried or is it the other way round and everything really conspiring a little bit sort of against them I thought they played ever so well actually against Chelsea for the first half particularly I mean if, if De Bruyne doesn't have his Ronnie Rosenthal moment <laughs> then, then they're two up and, the, and surely the game's won but, but the fact of the matter is they don't and they still look vulnerable in defence and Chelsea were there and able to pick them off well, it's bizarre, I, th- I find, with Bravo that Guardiola was such in a rush to change that goalkeeping position. He's done that, but then surely the fullbacks, which I think are of much greater concern, why didn't he take those first? My, my theory about this is that actually he was sold on getting to Stegen mm. and he made the mistake of going second best. What do you think about that? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, because Claudio Bravo does not look a top-class goalkeeper. And by top-class, I mean world-class. I I don't think there's a great deal to choose between him and Joe Hart. Joe Hart did make mistakes, let's be honest. Um, So he's not a faultless keeper. But I don't think their problems solely revolve around Bravo. I'm with you completely on the full-back situation. He had four ageing full-backs and he ignored it. Completely, and fullbacks have always been so integral to Pep Guardiola teams. I found it amazing, almost a little bit arrogant of him to ignore that position. And then, okay, with the ball, fabulous, wonderful team to watch. They will score bundles of goals a season, but without the ball, I don't think they have enough quality defenders. Otamendi dives in every single game, two or three times, commits himself. John Stones, his decision-making is appalling. I mean, he probably is the most overrated defender in the country at the moment because everybody is too scared to say it. It feels like to me that, that, that OK, he's a great talent, but his decision-making defensively is, is shocking. Was there also a sense that people were too scared or too intimidated by Guardiola's reputation to really pin him down early, as most managers are in this league? I suppose so. I do feel that we'd built him up rather 
has been the saviour of football, frankly, reinventing the wheel as well with his tactics. And I'm probably as guilty as, you know, as anyone of, of doing that because I thought at the start of the season Mourinho would win the league and Man United would be extra special <laughs> there, not. But also I felt Shouldn't that City... Up to that, no, no, no. <laughs> but then I felt that City would absolutely sort of be I, in there for he, the long haul. I think he is. And, he's know, a wonderful I coach. Be, I think they'll be in, in the mix. But I'm not sure whether the balance of that squad is right. I'm su- really surprised, aren't you, mm. that he hasn't done more with Definitely. that I think it was the recruitment. A coach can only do so much. The recruitment for me was the mistake. I, th- I don't think he uh, brought in enough quality defenders or defensive-minded players. Mm. He relied on Fernandinho and Fernando. He kept with the, the defenders apart from Stones. He brought him in. Um, so, yeah, I think he's an uh, innovative tactician. Brilliant. He's unbelievable in, most, in, in a lot of situations, Pep Guardiola, but he's certainly not been faultless this season. And the fact that he's changed... Made, how many changes he made? 46, I think I read mm. in today's papers. Chelsea have made eight changes to their 11 in 14 games. He's made 46. And to do that in the Premier League, I think you are asking for trouble. So he just needs a bit of more stability there. Mm. You know, old pro. Well, not so old, <laughs> you might say. Pretty, pretty old, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're a student of handbags. What was getting into Aguero in that Stromash at the end. Oh, I don't know. As someone that never really ever put in a tackle <laughs> like that, it's hard for me. I'm not particularly well placed. Uh, he just lost his head. I think there was an element of bad losing. He was frustrated at the way the That's team. That's what you want, isn't it? Not like that. No, because he's out for four games now. I don't think any manager would say, "That's what I want." Get yourself a four-game ban, son. Um, so no, it was it was idiotic of Aguero. He lost his head. We were talking before about him and Louise. It's not the first time that they've been at loggerheads. But he's frustrated, I think, uh, probably because the defence keeps letting in goals. They can't keep clean sheets. So no matter how well he does, it doesn't really matter, does it, at the moment? They're not winning enough games. Mm. They're at Leicester in the BT Sport game at the weekend. You know, Leicester are really poor. Vardy and Mares. There's got to be a big decision taken on both of those, or one of them, isn't there? Well, Vardy, his goals and lack of it. I mean, admittedly, he was on target for England, so he broke that kind of drought for club and country, if you like. And I have to say, I thought he was man of the match in that game. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. His work rate was excellent. But his lack of goals now for Leicester City, I think it's 16 games for Leicester without a goal. Mm. I mean, it's clearly affecting his confidence. And when your confidence goes, I do think that impinges upon your all-round play. Mm. There's been ups and downs. I thought early part of the season, I think Leicester fans were probably right to question his commitment and desire a little bit. Mm. But I think that's been back in recent weeks. Mm. Um, And I think he's been playing much, much better. But you cannot afford, in my view, to have a striker when everything's funnelled towards him who's not scoring. And he's not scoring. Sooner or later, you've got to take him out the firing line. Mahrez is not playing well either, but Vardy's very poor. You've got to ask yourself why he's not scoring. And it's not just down to Jamie Vardy. I don't think he's missing a hat full of chances, is he? He missed a big one, Saturday. Yes, he did. He did. He, there's been a few like that. He's, he's, a few. he's not been as good, clearly. Um, I think the, the service into him has been pretty shoddy, really. Um, and he's had to get used to the fact that Slimani's around and Okazaki hasn't been his foil as often as he was last year. I think that is a big thing for Vardy because Okazaki caused so much chaos that it opened up space. And um, I was going to say I feel sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for him. He chose to stay at Leicester. He signed on the dotted line for, for huge money. But you do wonder now whether he is regretting big time not moving on. We've had Pat Sloan on and he asks, should Leicester have cashed in on both those two in the summer? 
Well, they obviously wanted to keep them and make them stay. And I think at that time, you can only look back in hindsight, can't you? And, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. But I don't think so. No, I think they made the right choice at that particular time. You've got to go with that. I think if it was clear that both players were agitating to leave and get away, then you could look back upon it and say it was a mistake. But at that particular time, I think while they were both angling for new contracts, <laughs> I think that was their priority. This is the thing about the modern game. Clubs are under so much pressure to renew contracts early. As soon as somebody starts doing well these days, the, the clamour for them to double their money, treble their money is unbelievable. Mm. When you do it, so many times the players suffer a downturn in form. The hunger is bound to be affected. I, I saw it a thousand times as a player when players were playing for contracts that the effort levels were, were inordinately higher. So, um, so no, I, I think it's understandable, but but it's not just about the big guns. It's throughout that team. I mean, Hooth and, Hooth and Morgan have, uh, look like they've aged about five years apiece with no Conte in front of them protected. Mm. They, they don't look anywhere near the same. Mm. Uh, Conor Mallon suggests that Chelsea should win the league. Mm. I probably tend to agree with him to a degree. We've also had Nick Pearce on. Hazard or Costa or Sanchez as player of the season? <laughs> oh, I think at the moment I'd go Costa. I think he's just been fantastic. I do think that Costa has got a great chance of being top scorer. And also I think he's just kicked on again in terms of his performance He's rediscovered that early form, you know. So he's his kicked first on season. instead of kicking out. He's Absolutely, <laughs> look, he's channeled his energies and really he's in a much more positive way. But his performance level on Saturday was breathtaking. It was fantastic. We know that Hazard is a special player and something completely different. But for me, at the moment, it's the complete striker performance. Mm has to be Costa and it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it would depend who, who wins the league, actually, who should get the Player of the Year award. But, yeah, at the moment, it looks like a two-way fight, really, between Costa and Alexis. This is if you're discounting Liverpool as title contenders, which you probably shouldn't, and, and City are still in the mix as well. But individually, Costa and Alexis have been sensational. Costa, for me, is the, the best target man number nine on the planet at the moment, hands down. I mean, he's, he does everything brilliantly in this mood. He's borderline unplayable. He gets into defenders' heads. He does, he? but he's got the pace, he's got the runs, he's got the intelligence and the physicality. He can beat a defender in two or three different ways and he, he, he can bludgeon his way through but he, he, he is cleverer than you think I think he's a top class player Alexis is unreal at the moment with the hat trick it has to go down as one of the one of the best Premier League hat tricks of all time in terms of the quality of the finishing you watched that game they could have, yeah. that could have been any score against West Ham it could it? have been 12 Honestly, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. West Ham, I know you've told us that already. West Ham, West Ham, West Ham were awful. Let's put this into context. It was a good Arsenal performance. Arsenal didn't even play to their full potential. I think they still have more to come. But if they'd have had less waywardness on their final balls, if Darren Randolph hadn't had such a good game, it could easily have been double figures. Um, West Ham were a joke. They were shambolic. But, but let's not take it away from Alexis, that performance. And the week before against Bournemouth as well, he did brilliantly. So he's in the hunt for that, uh, that Player of the Year award, no doubt. Only player, hat-tricks, Serie A, La Liga, Premier League. That tells you a lot. They've got to stamp up the money, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I mean... <laughs> Would I, you make him the highest-paid player at the club? Well, I think it's a really difficult one because he, he's obviously the striker and he's the glamour mm. player that you go to for the goals. 
But I still think that Mesut Ozil is arguably the biggest star. And I still enjoy going to see Mesut Ozil. Maybe that's the, I don't know, the seasoned Arsenal watcher in me and what Arsene Wenger has done to me down the years in that basically the approach play is sometimes as enjoyable as the finish. I think Mesut Ozil is a fabulous, fabulous player. I don't, you know, look, if Mesut Ozil signs on soon, and I think he will... Then, then Sanchez will be turning around and saying, I want more than him because I'm I was going to say exactly the, the same thing. Once one of them signs, I think it will be Urza. I, I, I believe he's really happy. I think Alexis will say, they're waiting for one another, I, I think, in a way, because they know that they can bring the best out of one another. Think of the goals Urza's going to provide Alexis and vice versa, actually. Mm. Alexis, Alexis hasn't just been about goals this season. He's been a brilliant provider. Richard Steele's been on asking about Giroud. What's your view on him and how he fits into this picture? Super sub. That's Olivier Giroud. I think that's his role at the moment. You can't put him in the starting eleven ahead of Alexis. Alexis is the springboard for everything good that Arsenal are doing right now. His energy is infectious. It's setting the tone for the rest of the team. But... There is a place for subs. Subs will always have an influence on games. How many times have we seen it? And he, I think he's one of the best players I can remember, actually, in terms of coming off the bench and hitting the ground running with goals. So I don't think he needs to beat himself up and get down Olivier Giroud. And if something happens to Ozil, hope it doesn't, in terms of an injury, then I think you might see Giroud start with Alexis that could be the opportunity for Wenger to play two up front, which we haven't seen for so long. But I believe it could happen with Giroud and Alexis if Ozil, for some reason, isn't available. Okay. Arsenal in Switzerland have played Baal tomorrow night. Um, so Zanik Zaka is going to be playing against his brother. Yeah. Max Ward has been on to us. Is Xhaka ahead now of uh, Ramsey in the pecking order? Well, I think he's a very, very different player. I don't know quite at the moment where Ramsey fits in the Arsenal team. I mean that in the most respectful way because I think Wenger perhaps sometimes doesn't trust him in the free role, doesn't trust him as being part of the two, likes him on the right-hand side. I think Ramsey's not a right-winger there. But I think that Xhaka can complement a more defensive-minded player in the two that sit in front of the back four and can feed off him and, and, and run off, off the man. And I do think, in that regard, at the moment, I think Ramsey is behind Xhaka in, in that role. Having said that, I just think that they are very different players. But at the moment, I don't see Ramsey starting, simply because I think that they're playing well. Hopefully, Xhaka is showing signs of acclimatising to the Premier League. It's taken time. But you have to play a player like that if you spend £34 million on him. You have to. Mm. Tottenham, mm. they have almost an unwanted chore. Mm. Um, I know Pochettino has said that you won't tank this final <laughs> Champions League game to make sure that they don't go in the Europa League. You're in this position. <laughs> Be honest. What would you do? Well, I th do you know what? And, and I... This is taking my Arsenal-tinted spectacles off. I, for I, once. Yeah, for once. I'm, <laughs> honestly speaking, I, I think Tottenham are, are an excellent team, but I don't think they're good enough to win the title. I just, I just don't think they have the depth there. So I, I think they can tank the Europa League if they like, but I don't think they'll win the title anyway. So it's up to them. I, if I was them, I would actually stick with it, try and win a tr major trophy. It's a good opportunity to, to give the fringe players a, a run-out. So, no, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't deliberately throw it, if you're allowed to do that or say that. Um, but you can understand the temptation. But, yeah, I just think they're a little bit behind. They need to beef up their squad spurs if they're ever going to compete on both fronts. 
Do you agree? Yeah, I do, uh, look, it's a really difficult one because you have that dilemma, but the club would never accept it, Pochettino doing that, and therefore I don't think it would be in his head. I also think it's an absolute disgrace and a scandal that English clubs do not take the Europa League a bit more seriously. It's shocking. If you don't want to be in it, don't step up. Let someone else who yeah. absolutely bite your hand off yeah. and have a go. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. It's a route into the Champions League if you win it. Mm. And why not? It's a European trophy. It's a major trophy. Spurs can win it this year, without mm. doubt. Yeah. Mm. Why not take it a bit serious? Mm. With Spurs, mm. you know, and Pochettino being really honest, mm. after the game on Saturday, talked about players practising diving. <laughs> now, we had the Deli Alley incident. Again, in your career, mm. was that common? What, diving? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of managers would sometimes have a go at teammates of mine. I would never go down a court. I would never throw myself to the floor. But some managers would sometimes have a, have a pop at a player after a game and say, why don't you go down in the box there? He clipped you, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, don't stand your feet inside the box. The, the, the managers do say that. It's nothing new. I don't like it. It's horrible. I've got to say, it's not just Early Ali. He's got he's getting himself a reputation. Spurs have bought quite a few penalties this season, and they're not the only ones in the Premier League. Of course, they're not, but they have bought a few this year. They're pretty good at it. And if you are good at manipulating those situations, it will give you a lot more points. So you're not going to catch any manager. Or, well, they might publicly say. I'm against it, but but behind the scenes, they, they won't. He, he'd have been delighted at that breakthrough goal. It opened the floodgates for Spurs. He's, he's, he's happy with Deli Alley. Pat on the back, mate. Ross Mitchell asks, do you think, John, that diving should be looked at retrospectively? You know, in order to really crack down on this issue? Yeah, I think possibly it's the only way that you're going to do anything about it because if the referee then sees that from a different angle, will he judge it differently? I think so, yeah. I look, I think the only problem with that is how then are you going to... I, I, it's the old age-old thing about the retrospective action. Video, but the, the video ref. Yeah, I'd love to see it. You got it's, ridic it's, ridic Def it's a ridiculous scenario. Defending team gets two appeals a half. Um, if they're pretty sure Deli Ali's died, which, which Swansea would have been, yep. they go, let's go to the telly. It's sorted. It, 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 yeah. And then Deli Ali gets a yellow card, don't do that again. Uh, that's that's yeah. got to be the answer. Would, would that interrupt the flow, out. though? Would that interrupt the flow? No. No, not at all. Mm. I'm not having that. Mm. There are stoppages for any number of things. Mm. You can We, the viewers, saw it within seconds. So too could the guy on the side of the pitch. Just go, go give it one of those. I think within 30 seconds you, you'd be able to tell. Uh, Eddie Trail has come up with a bit of a, an incendiary one. If you're Aaron Ramsey, would you contemplate going to Spurs? <laughs> To join them, yeah, well, it'd be an opportunity to go, you know, if, you, if you're going to go and play. I'll be honest with you, I obviously he keeps on being linked with Spanish clubs. I just don't know where he would fit in and, and sort of those sort of teams. So I think he'd get regular games elsewhere in the Premier League. It's not a very popular crossover, it really, it really isn't. So he wouldn't make himself very popular. But, um, but look, you know, I, I personally think that Ramsey's just at a bit of a crossroads at this point in time. Because would he, would he sign a new contract, for example? Arguably not at the moment if he's not playing or starting regularly. What's your take on Manchester United? Um, you know, I've been asked by Michael Walker. Yeah. What would Brian Clough have done 
Uh, in Jose Mourinho's position at Manchester United. <laughs> what, the, the weekend or, or just... This season. This season, oh, I don't know. Well, it's a bit, Cluffy was a bit before my time, you know. I mean, I, I remember him, but as, <laughs> as a kid, I know he's very, very um, strong-minded. Um, but so is Jose. Um, I don't know. It's a funny one with United. I, I, they just haven't got their identity yet. I think that's mm. the problem, really. And Jose... I do think needs to maybe adapt his management style a touch as well. He, did, he doesn't seem to be um, extracting the best, shall we say, from, from individuals. He, he's rubbing people up the wrong way, isn't he? Almost every week, it seems. And it's, yeah, I think he needs to work a little bit on his man management. When you think back to Chelsea, when, when he joined them, the players could not speak highly enough of mm. him. He was, their, he was their manager. They were scared of him, but he was their mate. He'd treat them secretly. They'd have a great laugh on the training ground. They wanted to run through brick walls for Jose Mourinho. I don't think any team has wanted to run through brick walls for Jose Mourinho in the last five years. No, he's, he's changed. Yeah. In, in my view, he's damaged. I, I, I don't know whether he can get it back. But you look at him, he's not, that, he's not the same person mm. at the first spell at mm. Chelsea mm. or even the second time. He was, he was a humorous guy. He was mm. kind of... He was endearing. There was a cheeky charm about him. There really was. And um, it, it, it's just not there anymore. There's a bitterness there, which is completely overwhelming him. Mm-hmm. And it's impinging upon the, his, his way of working. It's not, not happening for him at all. I think we agree that mm-hmm. Rocco should have been sent off yesterday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Ibrahimovic was very lucky to get away with that mm-hmm. kick mm-hmm. onto uh, Seamus Coleman's face. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that the referee took no action mm. a sign that Mourinho is whinging about <laughs> referees and decisions and the world's against me yeah. paying off? Some people might say that. I'll, I'll give Michael Oliver the benefit of the doubt on that one, and, and I'd, actually, I'll be, I'll hammer Michael Oliver even more seriously. I, I think he bottled, bottled that one. I think he's he's bottled a few big decisions this season. It's almost become afraid. I, I, I used to think he was a real top referee and he, he's still got the potential to get back there, Michael Oliver, but he's shied away from a lot of big decisions this season. That wasn't the only one. Um, Jose, it, will it have an impact on referees? It might, but then you could easily argue it would go against them because referees are fed up with Jose having a pop at them. So I, I don't know. I don't know whether it would impact that much anymore on Manchester United. I don't think so. OK. We've got um, uh, Travis Blazard on. Um, are Manchester United out of the top four race, even now? No, I don't think they're out of the top four race. Mm. I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Will they finish there? Well, I think that's in the balance. They've got, certainly got some ground to play, make up. In fairness to them, I think they're actually playing quite well in many ways. Mm. I just don't think they, they've made you know as good a leap under Mourinho as I thought they would. But they are playing quite well. They're creating some chances, obviously not putting them away. I still think that up front, they lack a little bit. I'm so surprised they haven't got much more in terms of options mm-hmm. apart from Ibrahimovic. And it, that, that's well, the surprising spent, thing. They've spent their wages on Tom's hand, didn't they? I know, I know. But it's <laughs> amazing, mean, isn't yeah, it? A yeah. club of the size of Man United. Oh, they've right. got one traditional number nine. I know Rashford and Martial, but they're players from, from the flanks from me. No, I think they're, I think they're strikers. I just want them, mm. He won't give them a game because he's, mm. he's worried about dropping Slatter. He hardly ever takes Slatter off. Mm. So, well, um, I think Rashford is, is becoming yet another another victim yeah. of Mourinho's innate mistrust of youth. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I th- and that, coupled with the fact that I think he feels an obligation to play Zlatan, he's obviously earning astronomical money, he's got that ego, he wouldn't want to be sub, he wouldn't want to be dropped for Marcus Rashford. But is that 
a good environment? Is that a healthy environment to win titles? Having a guy leading the line that's maybe a little bit untouchable, even though that kid mm. could potentially be better than him. And if, when you think back to last season, Marcus Rashford, were his performances any worse last season than what Zlatan's delivering at the moment? I'd say they're along similar lines. There's not, not a lot in it. Zlatan wouldn't like it, but he's, he, at times he can almost be the equal of Zlatan in terms of the impact that he could have as a centre-forward. Now, you were at Bournemouth yesterday, John. Uh, Petri Palmolato passes, in your opinion... Who should take over from Arsene Wenger at Arsenal? And did you see him yesterday, Eddie Howe? Oh, I think he's got a great chance to do. Um, I think they're bound to have a, be thinking about succession planning Arsenal, whether it be for next summer or, or in, indeed sort of kind of two and a half years' time, for example. And I think Eddie Howe, just in the way he conducts himself, he's calm, he's very measured, he wants to bring young players through, the way he plays football, it's just a really good fit. I'm not saying it definitely will be him, because I think there's others in the frame, for example. I mean, Tuchel catches the eye, Leipzig coach, for, for example, Roger Schmidt, you know. Mm. There's guys out there, but I do think that Eddie Howe, if he wants to go British, then I think Eddie Howe has given himself one hell of an audition at the moment. He's really, really looking good. Mm. What about Liverpool? We're getting a lot of questions in about them and yeah. especially their defence. Yeah, uh, well, they weren't great yesterday, were they? I mean, you were there. It's, a, it's almost like a numbers game. If, if Lucas is your, your next in line to play centre-back, I think you're in trouble, aren't you? Because, I mean, he's, he's been a good pro for Liverpool, Lucas, but, but if, if you're relying on him at centre-half with Lovren then I think you're asking for trouble. Look, Liverpool are a really good team, and they're a team with a capital T. That is their strength, and they defend from the front. So in a way, they don't need an unbelievable back four to keep clean sheets because they will dominate a lot of teams. They will, they will put them away. But you do look at it and just think, have they got the individuals? Have they got the keeper at the moment that, that is good enough to, to, to change games in Liverpool's favour? And I don't know... Because um, the opposite's been happening this weekend. If you look at it, Stecklenburg, mm. uh, Everton and Carrius mm. at Bournemouth mm. cost their teams the game, didn't they? they I, particularly, I would say, Carrius. I, I think Stecklenburg, I think Koeman's dropped a bit of a clanger there, to be honest, because I think that he probably thought of Stecklenburg as a very, very good number two goalkeeper and was looking then to do something else in the market. So he hasn't been really doing that. I well, I know. It's funny, Everton. It's a strange setup there. I got the impression that some parts of Everton and sort of the hierarchy quite fancied doing a deal for Joe Hart and then Koeman perhaps didn't. And it's strange like that, clubs. You know, I think there's... D you, know, you, you, hear the, you hear the whispers oh, I, I, that he's yeah. really interested in, in Foster at, uh, at Southampton, yeah. aren't you? Absol yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think that he's got to be. I mean, he's an outstanding goalkeeper and he's a, a huge presence. And I think that's the thing with Stecklenburg. I think while he, he'll have games, I'm not sure he fills the goal as such. He doesn't fill you with that sort of presence and confidence. All this, of course, on Foster dropping a clanger on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, um, but he, he, I just think that he really needs to address that issue, I think, Ron Koeman. He's just not done it. I don't think Harris is, is a good enough goalkeeper for Liverpool to win the league. And you also look at the, the shape of their midfield. I think Jordan Henderson's been one of the midfielders of the season. I think he's been brilliant this season. But, but there isn't 
that guy in there really with the defensive now. So, I mean, Jordan Henderson was an attacking player. He's remoulding his game to some degree. But when you haven't got a brilliant um, back four and then Jordan Henderson is your main defensive player, then I think at the very elite level, you're going to concede goals. I mean, they conceded three to Arsenal, didn't they? Mm. Managed to win, conceded conceded plenty to Bournemouth and didn't win. So, yeah, I think Liverpool uh, will entertain us, but they will have these days from time to time. But you were really impressed with Klopp yesterday, weren't you? Just in the oh, manner of the defeat, the dignity. You know, listen, I think Klopp is um, a really interesting guy. I think he's just such a great fit for Liverpool. The way he connects with the fans, buys into it. But then afterwards, he impressed me even more in just in the way that he's so magnanimous and gracious in defeat. I mean, it, most managers would come in and throw a strop and bit, put in a bit of a sulk. I couldn't believe it there when he sat in front of us and basically was saying how well Bournemouth played. Massive credit to Bournemouth, massive credit to Eddie Howe, enjoyed the game. And I said, I, 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 I said to him, you know, what are you said being... in the dressing room? Well, well I know. <laughs> and, and listen, he admitted himself he was not happy on the yeah. touchline. He was absolutely rollicking them on the touchline. So it was one thing. But, but we know yeah. from experience, 99.9% <laughs> of managers would come in and, and mm. basically it wouldn't be saying, it wouldn't be the, the, the sort of the grace with which they delivered it. It would be about the sulking. Mm. What? And they would just, you know, they wouldn't accept it. <laughs> what I strikes think. me about him is that he protects his players. Yeah. So if you say it yesterday, mm-hmm. okay, he spoke up in defence mm. of his goalkeeper. Mm. Midweek, you know, Ben Woodburn comes mm. on, you know, Walt Disney takes <laughs> over, he scores his first mm. goal in front of the cop. Mm. But then they keep him away from the, the TV interviews, mm-hmm. keep him low-key, a bit like... You know, Sir Alex did with yeah, Ryan Giggs. Giggs. Yeah. Yeah. Very important in the manager that. Definitely. It? Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's, he's, he's not just charismatic. He's super intelligent, Jurgen Klopp. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan as well. I think, I think he's brilliant. Um, and where you, where we questioned Jose and his character and personality at the moment, I think Klopp kind of nails it at the moment, certainly. You'd imagine that he would get the balance right. Inside that dressing room, he'd have battered the players. I'm sure he must have done. If he didn't, then, then I'd, be, I'd be surprised. But that is old-fashioned. In a way, there's nothing wrong with being old-fashioned, by the way. It used to be, you know, it could be George Graham would tear strips off the players and then they'd go out and talk to, to, to guys like Crossy and say, oh, no, you know, we were unlucky today. It's just the way it works. And, uh, yeah, managers, unfortunately, these days, they can't seem to control their egos, can they? No. I mean, that's the issue. Speaking of managers, Danny Adnan's been on about is it time we gave David Moyes a bit of credit for what's going on at Sunderland three minutes and four yeah I, I think it, I'm a huge Moyes fan and I think that it was it was a it was a good fit which looked pretty bad actually a few <laughs> weeks ago let's be honest but I just think that it, it was always going to take a bit of time and I wasn't sure whether he'd be able to do it mm. from window to window simply because I don't think their transfer dealings was that impressive I mean he didn't do that much and I think he you know it, it wasn't it wasn't great. And I just think slowly but surely he's found a way of playing, he's found a rhythm, and he's restored a little bit of confidence in them. And they are protect whenever, you know, Sunderland scored Jermaine Defoe seems to be on target as well. And they they are finally as well shutting out goals at the other end. So, you know, a nice balance. Yeah, Massive credit stays to him. strong, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. On the theme of managers, Adrian. Billich, his body language looked defeated yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. You've got Alan Pardew, who probably made a tactical mistake in having a go implicitly at the American side of the ownership. <laughs> and you've got Bob Bradley, mm. you know, in all sorts of strife at, at Swansea. Are we going to see changes soon? Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, all of them need to work 
on their defences, don't they? I mean, that's the theme there. With Pardew, I wrote a piece on it last week. It amazes me. He, he tries to paint this picture of him being this real attack-minded coach, front foot. Palace did score well among the lowest scorers last season. He hasn't always been this super attacking coach at all. I think he just needed to organize. He needs to organise that team, get them defending properly. That is what definitely what Bob Bradley needs to do. He needs to sort that sort that mob out. I mean, the, the problem he's got, he's got no decent centre halves really. None of none of them are particularly. Impressive, um, and and Bilic, I rate Bilic. I, th I think West Ham should probably stick with him, but he did look a beaten man, didn't he? Mm. And, and the, the, I couldn't believe what he, what he said, said about what he the said. train, the intensity in training. He said, well, "You're the manager, Slava. You got to get that intensity going in training. It's down to you." And it doesn't reflect well on the attitudes of the players at his disposal. Or his coaching team. Maybe there need to be changes there. Maybe, but look. He, he, the rumours are that he's got unhappy players, that Payet's eye is off the ball, he's eyeing a move. They've got a big decision to make there, haven't they? A huge decision. It could be make or break for them. I, I think with this tough run of games, they've just got to see it out. And I, I do think Bilic will, will come good again for them. But he, he probably needs another window, doesn't he, just to mm. shake things up. Get rid of the rubbish that they brought in in the summer Dreadful. and start again. I mean, the defending on the weekend was diabolical. Mm. We'll finish with a... A depth charge of a question. Uh, Conor Mallon, should Celtic and Rangers be allowed to join the Premier League? No. <laughs> I, do, I just don't feel that it's... Uh, look, it's a good idea in principle. How will it work? I just don't think it would sit very well with me. I mean, what, was, what would that say about Scottish football? I'm not com totally convinced that, you know... Scottish football would welcome it, and yeah. Scottish football, I think, would, would suffer greatly as a result, in my view. Yeah, I think, I think they should be allowed, because we allow Welsh clubs in, so why shouldn't we allow Scottish clubs in? Do I think it's the right thing? No, I'm with you. It would kill Scottish football, which I think would be a tragedy, really. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not desperate for it myself, but I think they, sh they should be allowed to. The, the issue is, will the English clubs allow them? And I think at the last meeting they voted um, pretty unanimously unanimously against allowing Celtic and Rangers to come into the Football League. So, for now, I think that, that particular one's dead. I agree with the chaps. Celtic, Rangers, they belong in Scotland. But I'll put the tin helmet on and also say that they're not quite good enough for the Premier League. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.